0: Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. We have entered the gaping hole of 2022 um, and we are here with some releases. But first, Floyd, my co-host, how are you? Happy New Year.
1: I'm good. Happy New Year. It's been a pretty mental couple of weeks, but it's been uh, It's good. I am I, personally quite optimistic about 2022. Me too. I think it might be a good year. And also, on the 2nd of January, 2022, is on a tuesday yeah so it's going to be the most twos ever in the history of
0: oh my goodness
1: in the history of uh, calendars
0: so much twos yeah. and if you did a number two on that day you added a yeah. day to it so everybody
1: remember to take a shit on tuesday <laughs> the second of february
0: and there's a two in the word tuesday if you say it in that way exactly so go. many twos all right well let's get on to what we're actually uh reviewing today so we're going to be doing three albums, as usual. They're all 2021 albums because there's not been enough time in 2022 to really have done any albums yet. Um, we've got LLNN, Unmaker, Arch Spire, Bleed the Future, and Malignant Altar, Realms of Exquisite Morbidity. So what did you think of the uh, Malignant Altar? This was your suggestion.
1: It was. This was a Johnny Come Lately album. So this was dropped, uh, I want to say December 10th.
0: It was indeed.
1: Was it actually December 10th? Yes. There you go. And um, yeah, it kind of took me a bit by surprise because it's, uh, OSDM is one of those things that have had a bit of a revival recently. And I think because it's kind of like the current trend in the scene, there is a lot of bands that kind of go under the radar because it's, you know, it is the in thing at the moment. But um, I actually think what, easy for me to say. There we go. What a way to start 2022. (laughs) What malignant malignant alter have done. Is create something that still sounds uh, quite fresh, even though it's very clearly influenced by um, sort of like the bands of yore. Like this got a heavy, heavy Morbid Angel influence on this album. It's like a more like kind of like old school production, like almost like old school incantation style mixed with Morbid Angel. But I really, really dig it. I mean, I'm a massive death metal fan. So this is a little bit of me, this album. So I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I think it's absolutely sick, as always. We always review sick albums on this podcast. Um, I thought it was interesting, too. I like the OSDM vibe, but it was still interesting because sometimes I feel like people play it a bit safe. yeah. Um, And then you kind of end up blanking out when you're listening to the music and you're aware you're listening to OSDM and you come away with the awareness you've listened to it. But I can't pick out anything I've actually listened to. It's kind of like a chunk of time has just been named thus. Yeah, Um, I really liked... So the names of the songs, channeling impure apparitions. CIA for sure. Um, I I just like the very death metal namings. My favorite part of the album, um, is is kind of more a, a lore thing as a reference to the Crassu.
1: Yeah, I made a note about this because I thought this was actually pretty cool and quite creepy, actually. Yeah, it is, isn't uh, it?
0: Do you wanna? Do you wanna?
1: Well, well, I after some extensive research, <clears throat> Wikipedia,
0: <laughs> same. Uh, I found out
1: that the 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 Crassu.
0: Yeah. There's
1: a no- nocturnal female spirit which takes... I
0: think he said croissant. You were like croissant. Damn!
1: I <laughs> <laughs> saw that vine. You know, the one where it's like, ah,
0: it made me drop my croissant. I miss fine. <laughs> you remind me of someone, you know, in um, school when you've got to read from the book and you're reading yeah. a book with, like, foreign words and people, yeah. like, just completely don't know how to say the word. Oh, and you're, that's... like, trying to enter into the, the realm of the... I don't know how to say it. The crazy. The crazy.
1: <laughs> it was... Do you know what? That was just the worst part of school for me because, you know me, it's like a horrific combination <laughs> because I mispronounce so much. You do. It's but I also... Fucking find it so hilarious when other people do it, including (laughs) myself. So whenever it came to my turn to read in English, it was just the worst than imaginable. My times I was just being this delirious, like laughing fit. (laughs) And it was, um, what was it? We were reading *Mother and Heights* once. My friend Chris messed up a word, and I just started pissing myself laughing. I had to leave the lesson. Like I just left. Like the teacher just kicked me out. Oh my god! This is A levels. Like this is when you're an adult. (laughs) I was just like, just 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 piss off. Like just just don't come back today. Because like oh. I, I I was just that I found it so hilarious that you fucked up one word there, yeah.
0: My version of that was because um, I was like the only foreign person in class. Every time there was a foreign word in a book, the teacher would look at me and be like, "Nina, how do you pronounce this word?" Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing the kite runner, which I think is set in like Afghanistan or Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm Iranian, but the teacher would be like, "So so, Nina, what's a salwar kameez? Do you wear those at home?" where you're from and he'd just make me read everything in italics he'd be like and I'd be like okay it's just it's just the words but yes here you yeah. go yeah
1: it's oh, fun times school A eh?
0: school A eh? it's fine but I don't know how to pronounce Krasu so Krasu we if we're
1: going with that pronunciation is a nocturnal female spirit who takes the form of a young and beautiful woman with her organs trailing below her neck
0: her internal organs specifically yeah, yeah. Um, it looks really cool there's loads of um different like variants of why someone becomes a chris you in the folklore so like in some places it's if you've had an abortion if you've been um like if you've cheated on your husband or if you if your relatives practice witchcraft then the witch's relatives can become chris you and yeah like apparently in the day they hide the the head that makes like the internal organ hanging head it's just like below the neck is like the vertebrae of the spine and then just bits of hanging organs which is kind of crazy if you think about it it's a
1: bit like dr manhattan from watchman you ever watched um...
0: i have watched Watchmen, but i don't yeah. remember enough of Watchmen to remember what i watched
1: well when he's like because he's like ripped apart in like a nuclear um oh, it's like a particle is he the um, blue guy it's like nuclear physics yeah i like, like the blue like, guy His like his his atoms are completely disassembled and then he puts himself back together
0: there's like a crazy sex scene with him isn't there
1: Yeah, where he, like, duplicates himself.
0: Multiple, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty intense. And I like the bit on the moon where he's all like, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm done
1: with Earth. I'm going to the moon.
0: I would love to do that. I would be the blue guy. Yeah. Anyway, so the Krasu is cool. Um, If you're a bad woman, then you turn into a Krasu, apparently, which is totally not misogynistic at all. Um, But apparently, like, the chrisu will hide the the night body of the neck with the dangling organs in the day, and if you smash the head, the chrisu dies. But in the day, they look like a normal person. I'll be slightly sleepy. Yeah. So if you see anyone looking sleepy, yeah, they might be a chrisu. So, so, just all of us right now.
1: Cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. Not in
0: this day and age. No.
1: <laughs> this track as well was a really good track. I actually, this track actually reminded me a bit of Bolt Thrower. a bit of like that mid-paced kind of groovy boat throw vibe so it was um nice yeah that's the thing that's what i like about this album as well like because like a lot of osdm especially the revival revivalist bands tend to be quite uh monotone a lot of the albums are very much one gear and one sound but there's 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 a fair amount of variation in this album yeah within this particular uh sort of genre and there's like for example this track was a bit more bolt thrower-esque and they've got some tracks that are some riffs that are a bit more slammy and like you know just a lot of variation like and you could hear the morbid angel influence who i think are a band who i would say are on par with uh bands like death and yeah suppose to a lesser extent for me cannibal corpse in terms of their influence on the scene
0: i never got into cannibal corpse
1: yeah but what the thing is they are like your meat and potatoes death metal bands
0: I'm more into like spicy food, like yeah. not not like spicy in the terms of like chili. I like seasoned food, yeah. whereas meat and potatoes is not quite my fair. Yeah,
1: Cannibal Corpse is is a bland roast dinner, mm. which is fine. It but... does the job.
0: <laughs> but I like luxury when it comes well, to. I
1: really like Cannibal Corpse. Shem is looking absolutely dismayed. But I, I do really like Cannibal <laughs> Corpse because they, like you know, I don't think they get enough credit <laughs> because they've been they've become so popular that people start to turn on them a little bit.
0: They had one song. Was it Gallery of something? Suicide. That was an okay song. I listened to that when I was a teenager, and I thought it had it was catchy. They're still
1: good now. That's the thing. They've actually like their newer albums uh, like have gotten progressively like more technical and more varied. Okay,
0: so they kind of matured a bit.
1: Yeah, well, Mm. like there's like two eras because you've got the Chris Barnes and the Cops Grinder era, which is how people tend to divvy up the change of vocalists. Like the first couple of Chris Barnes albums are seen as being like super influential to like the early iterations of brutal death metal but then like corpse grinder came in and just done a lot of really good really quite underrated like solid death metal albums nice like bloodthirst is a great cannibal corpse album that a lot of people don't talk about and that's like one of their like most revered ones within like the cannibal corpse fans
0: i think it's just the violent stuff that put me off to be honest yeah and i can see i like it would but I, I don't, I don't disrespect them as a band. I, I'm sure the music is actually like really good. I, I might dive back into them and see what the newest stuff is like. If yeah, no, no,
1: some of it's pretty good.
0: If they've grown, yeah. Um, but
1: yeah, but that's what I like about *Malignant um, Altar*. They've done a good job of um, kind of like meshing and combining a few different elements. And one of the things that really strikes me about this album that I really enjoyed is the is the production, particularly the drum production. <laughs>
0: Oh, I noted this. Yeah. The drums
1: on this album sound great. And it's no surprise that the mixing was actually done by the drummer.
0: Whose name <laughs> that uh... Plays a lot, yeah. Dobber. Yeah, Dobber. They Dobber have Beverly. great names. There's like Bo Beasley, John, Josh Boakmayer, Wilson Prever. I just, I don't know, all these names are like wizard names or something. Dobber Beverly.
1: And so, I mean, then they're also from Houston, Texas, which is quite, I mean, like they've got, uh, there's a lot of good bands from Texas. it's it's got yeah. Like, you could, there's, there's sometimes, like I was saying before, how some of the refs are kind of slammy, and it reminded me of uh, their, uh, their state mates, Devourment, who mm. are also from Texas.
0: I've noted that um, Matt Elman on bass and the drummer Dobba Beverly, they both are in Oceans of Slumber and also Necrofire.
1: In Oceans of Slumber?
0: Wait, let me double check. Yeah, it, it says on, on my notes that they're in Oceans of Slumber.
1: I'm trying to think of Oceans of Slumber as the band I'm thinking of. Is that the one that has uh, Cammy on vocals? Yeah, okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so- Cammy's husband. You're shitting me.
0: Nope. There you go. That's very cool.
1: I saw of Slumber Live once at the Damnation. They were really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they were on a package tour with Enslaved and uh, Neoblivascaris.
0: Nice. Yeah. I saw a band called Through the Gates of Slumber once, which is what I thought this band was, and they were one of the most boring bands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry through the gates of something. i don't i don't
0: think they're listening maybe it was just a bad bad day like i think they supported cathedral yeah oh. they supported cathedral was lee
1: dorian still in cathedral at the time is he still in cathedral was they still I think going he
0: is. yeah they? did they on his facebook I on his facebook it says he's in cathedral so i don't know maybe maybe they're just like chilling on the royalties or something oh
1: But yeah, the drum production on this album is (laughs) astonishing. And and like the actual performance of the drums as well is just fucking does such a good job of just tying the rhythm together and just keeping the groove in the pocket. And it's just super, super like impressive because that's another thing about OSDM that kind of is a bit and even like the older like Morrisound albums from like the early 90s. A lot of things get lost in the mix, particularly either the bass or the drums. And the drums could sound just kind of flat or tinny Mm. and they're not punchy. But on here, they're like super impactful. And I think it really, really helps elevate the album because it just makes the riffs sound so much more crisp and allows you to be able to kind of uh, differentiate where the transitions are and stuff. Because sometimes when the drums are just kind of a bit of a, a... when they're just a bit muddy and kind of meshed in with the riffs, it kind of doesn't help you kind of get the groove of the track sometimes, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think, so i wrote down my, my favorite track, which is Belial Rebirth, Metapsychosis. Metempsychosis, my, my apologies, in parenthesis afterwards. Um, the drums are... <laughs> 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 Floyd's <Follow its finest. laughs> I was like, let, me that, let me
1: mute my phone quietly so no one else notices. <laughs> that makes a really loud noise.
0: It's just having a real like orgasmic moment over there in the corner. It's like ah, it's completely going for it. Nice. Anyway, um, yeah, my favorite track, Bilal Rebirth," "Metem Psychosis." I think that's my favorite, and the drums are the best thing about it, in my opinion, and like the, one of the best things in the album. The snare work is really interesting. Um, I also wrote. Ooh, um, I can't do it like the, the like can you can you say that no. <coughs> that's that's yeah. what I wrote um, about this track and the album in particular I think that's like the word that best describes yeah. this entire band and album and like I like that they do tempo changes There's like one halfway through this track it's like really brutal but then I like the juxtaposition that they have a sparkly cassette tape shell yeah well, if you want to buy the album and I love sparkly things and I just really <laughs> like that there are death metal bands doing that so yeah, yeah. 10 out of 10
1: no, yeah, no, I, I echo everything you're saying. My favorite track is probably the one after that one, which was Ceremonial Decapitator, which was really cool. And for the same reasons, actually, I think the drums were just firing and all cylinders on that track. And just, yeah, like I said, some interesting cymbals, snare, crash work, some great work with the toms. Um, vocals are quite good as well. I like that sort of classic vocal performance. It's very, yeah. um, it's very Polish. Okay. very reminds me of like uh, Peter from um, uh, Vader.
0: Is that where they're from?
1: No, they're from Houston, Texas.
0: Oh, you did say that. Yeah. You did say that. The song I was saying. like It's
1: like a really kind of like, a really simplistic, but like throaty, aggressive vocal style. Yeah. It's not trying to be like uber guttural, which sometimes loses a lot of the aggression. But it's like, and there's another great Polish band called um, Lost Soul. Have you ever listened to them? Like a technical death metal band from Poland who are like really underlooked and underrated. And their vocalist, so Jaszek, is, has a similar vocal style, which I'm sure he was influenced by Peter. Because like from Vader, who are like one of the... Uh, one of the early sort of death metal bands in general. I mean, the first to kind of pioneer that death thrash kind of hybrid sound. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: yeah, and just just, the riffs are great. I mean, this album wouldn't work if if it wasn't for the fact that the guitarists have done a great job in creating some memorable riffs because it's really easy to write a boring and forgettable death metal album, I think, because there's so many of them out there. But like, and this isn't one of them. And it's, you know, to drop an album so late in the game and they seem to be making some waves with it. So good for them.
0: It's a great album. Um, they're also label mates with Blood Incantation. They're on Dark Descent Records. Oh, ah, no way, that's cool. Yeah, so I think that's a good like, it's a good pairing on the roster there.
1: That'd be a good like package tour to go to. Like, I'd love to see because I, I, there's times when I've listened to this album thinking like, "Fuck, this would sound amazing live."
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, I'd lose
1: my shit to this. And, um, and I've been, I've not seen Blood Incantation live either. I think I was gonna see them live at Damnation before all the American bands had to cancel.
0: Mm. Yeah, they have great logos as well.
1: Yeah, the Blood Incantation album uh, logo is ridiculous, <laughs> and it's funny because this year I think before the lineup changes, you had Blood Incantation on the Damnation lineup.
0: Incantation. Incantation.
1: So <laughs> yeah. all you needed was Blood to um, the uh, the gore grind bands to complete it.
0: Nice. So uh, any final words on Malignant Altars' realms of exquisite morbidity?
1: No, just, just just very good. I think I'm always impressed when, like I said before, when I hear a death metal album that manages to capture my, uh, my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My wearied attention because I'm just kind of spent so much time listening to death metal that it takes a lot to kind of grab me now. And it's like even the band um, Shem recommended A Dream Unending. What a good album that was as well. Like fucking hell. And it's, you know, so it's very rare that an album comes along that, that grabs enough of my attention to for me to actually bother to, you know, listen to it more than once.
0: Because there's just so much death metal out there. It's true. It's very, very true. So shall we move on to Arch Spires? Yes. Bleed to the Future. I've already kind of waxed a little bit um lyrical about this album on the end of year list because it made my end of year list what did you think of it
1: uh well do you know what i was late to the party on this album because i am a, i am quite a big arch fan um because i have said numerous times in this podcast before and much for the same reasons so why i find a lot of osdm quite derivative i find a lot of technical death metal quite derivative because a lot of it comes across really soulless yeah and kind of show-offy but like Archspire have never been one of those bands. They're so, I mean, one of my favorite things about the band is, is all these vocals. I love his rapid fire, almost like rap style growling. I does. literally
0: wrote this. His enunciation is insane.
1: And he could do it live. That's the crazy thing. Like it's he could so legit cool. perform it as he performs it on record.
0: It's so fast. Yeah, And it's like kind of heavy because he's like spitting it out. And there's this like malice there. Yeah
1: and like he obviously thinks about the phrasing as well cuz like yeah. it's quite staccato and a lot of times it will match the guitar work yes. and it's not like it's rhythmic there's a, exactly and there's a, there's another band that kind of i think were the first to kind of pioneer the style which was origin
0: Okay, yeah, I see that. And they that.
1: had an album in particular, Informus, Infinitas, Inhumanitas. So I can pronounce that fine. <laughs> but um, that album had a similar theme with the vocals. And it was cool because three, you had the main vocalists and the guitarists and the bassist were doing backing vocals. Mm. And it was just like, it was nowhere near as rhythmic as all these vocals, but it was that same super rapid fire, super technical. And it was just just really aggressive and heavy. Whereas like sometimes tech death is just, it's just a bit sterile, but... Not this album. I mean, every member of this band is firing on all cylinders. Like uh, Dean Lamb and Toby Morelli, the guitarists are just absolutely out of this world. Spencer is a great drummer. Like the drum, like his control on the double bass work is just next level. Like the way he can like fire such short, succinct blasts in such uh, a among all amongst all the chaos is just unreal.
0: It's incredibly well put together. Like there are so many moving parts. Yeah. Um. It literally feels like an industrial machine, but like a very Mozarty yeah. one. It's just beautifully, beautifully put together.
1: It's funny you mentioned Mozart because there's one track. I think oh, which track was it? There's I mean, a lot of
0: Mozart influence on this album. I would argue.
1: Yeah, because it was it was Reverie on the Onyx, and there was a track which sounded like an actual piece of classical music.
0: I think it would it might well Reverie Reverie is a classical um, structured piece
1: but it really rang a bell with me. And I was, I was going to ask you, because I know you're somewhat well-versed in classical music, but it... Hulst
0: Planets, isn't it? I don't think Hulst Planets is in this one. It's usually... Hulse's Planets is usually a good guess, because yeah. almost every, everyone who cites classical music in <laughs> metal is usually going to be Hulst Planets. Yeah. I know Necrophages do... Um, I think Beethoven... i can't fucking do it i'm out of tune but um they do that in i can't remember what it's called ignominious something or other on the album that that track is on they do that the first time i heard that i was like wow metal can be schoolwork too
1: but it's cool because i feel like archspire they've obviously got you know like they're they're great at like doing the neoclassical and all the sweeping stuff but without it being like coming across as too much of too much as guitar wankery yeah, Like it fits with the structure of the song. And it's I'll functional. say as well, like you know, I've mentioned every member of the band apart from the bassist. like I think Jared Smith, who played bass on this album, done a fantastic job. And there's a cool new trend that I felt like kind of started with fellow Canadian bands, like Beyond Creation, for example, started creating albums where the bass was like really audible. I mean, I mean that's always been the thing. Like Atheist, for example, always had quite audible bass. But like there was a period of time where like modern death metal seemed to Fall into the same trope of a lot of other metal subgenres, where like the bass is just barely audible. Yeah, but like, but like Beyond Creation and those sort of bands that have come out sort of semi-recently have done a great job of bringing the bass to the forefront and making sure that all it's still serving its purpose as a as you know, it's like a timekeeper of the rhythm. But at the same time, it's given its own chance to shine, and there's some absolutely fantastic bass lines in this album.
0: I would totally agree with you about the bass. I think it's actually like really underrated. Um, Shem is browsing braces on- bases on his phone and like I'm gonna have to <laughs> please don't buy another bass the guitar. the guitar oh god anyway um what was I gonna say sorry I had a Talk moment, about bass. I had a moment about of extreme that bass. horror bass I think is so underrated um when it comes to like the mixing of albums like Coroner as well they're really yeah. the bass is at the forefront when I saw them live the bass was so loud and it was beautifully like it worked it worked for the bass to be at the like quite near the front of the music and i think that's where i usually like get bored listening to some modern osdm yeah so it's like really fuzzy and i don't know if maybe if that's like influenced from like some black metal stuff as well where the production is quite um like fuzzed out yeah. Almost. I don't know. Like,
1: I don't know. I, I, I feel like sometimes as well, there's a lot of bands where like the bass is, is treated as a secondary instrument in the mm. sense that a lot of times the vocalist will also be the bassist. Yeah. So it's just like, well, so it be like the guy will be doing vocals. So I'll do vocals and bass because I don't need to do much while doing bass. And you know, a lot of times you see them, they're just playing sort of like open hands kind of notes and not even really doing much, but it's, um, it's, but I feel like that's becoming a thing of the past now because Obviously, Glenn Benton from Deicide is, is is probably the only example I could think of. at the top of my mind, someone who plays baseball, so trying to juggle vocals.
0: Peter Steele, but he doesn't do it anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> I hate to say it, but I don't think he's doing much anymore these days. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs>
1: but it's... Uh, Sorry, but no, I've always been amazed by anybody that can juggle vocals in another instrument at the same time.
0: It's I, I can't do it. Yeah. I yeah. try it. Like even drums
1: as well. Like the guy from the you know that band Manta. Yeah like the dude who fucking does vocals and drums at the same time i just it's just it's that's crazy to me
0: my mates in morag tong do it as well and it blows my mind Ah, he's like he's just screaming and playing drums at the same time and it's actually really cool because it adds to like the aggression of the vocals as well yeah
1: Yeah, because the guy from a brand from macedon has become like quite prominent vocalist in the band now as well right Mm. so it's like all four of them are doing vocals like and have like significant segments of just them singing which is just that's just super impressive
0: it is really impressive. I'm just impressed
1: by every musician, though, to be honest.
0: Being a musician's hard. Yeah. Like, And that's not even the instrument bit. It's just hard to be a musician, because fuck me. Um, but yeah, we're all musicians here. Like, We can say that.
1: Yeah, well, technically I, I can, because I was given a kalimba as a Christmas present. <laughs> and uh, I've been practicing songs on my kalimba.
0: You're really good at it It's a really nice kalimba. yeah no it's got a really nice sound though you've heard yeah. it right We should yeah. give you a guest spot on the Darwin album
1: yeah <laughs> it's uh we could do a cover of that that minecraft song it sounds exactly <laughs> like the minecraft app, like soundtrack <laughs> but it's uh that's actually really fun it's really therapeutic because yeah. it's like because because you use your thumbs, so it's a bit like like playing a video game almost oh uh, so it's a bit like river matching game, but like in real life
0: you know what when we finish this i am going to bring my shooty box down, and you can have a go on that oh, you' love, love it. I think you'd oh, really like super it. super fun. I'm
1: super excited for that.
0: Yeah. I don't want too many people to know about it, though, because everyone's going to have one. if. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my secret. My secret sauce.
1: Back to Arch Spire. So, um, yeah, no, just, you know, the Canadian scene in general is so good. I mean, this band's from Vancouver, British Columbia. And I know Canada's a, a massive, massive continent in itself.
0: But they got a lot of good bands.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many influential bands like Gore Guts, for example. Mm. Luke LeMay. Like, Cryptopsy. Um, and this album, as well, I just want to say quickly, was produced by Dave Otero, who has done a lot of work for a lot of extreme slash death metal bands over the years, particularly Decapitation, Cephalic Carnage. And uh, I will say that the the pr- production on this album is pretty top notch. Like, it's always impressive when you can hear things so clearly on an yeah. album with so much going on.
0: It's crisp. A- Sorry? It's crisp, the production. Yeah. I love crisp production. Yeah, yeah.
1: so good. Crisp, but not like too, not too synthetic.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's distorted, but you yeah. can still hear the details. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a couple of tracks on this album that really stood out to me. One thing that's cool, have you seen the music video to the first track, Drone Corpse Aviator? I have not. It's really cool. It's basically all the band members are kind of like strapped in and being experimented on while playing their instruments. And it ends with all of them, like, with their heads exploding and Sick. bits... And it's cool. I think they've used like some form of I don't know if it's claymation, maybe, but it's it looks like practical effects. It doesn't nice. look like digital effects to do. I like all the gore, and it's not like too super gory. You know, it's, it's not like too- old.
0: stuff. There's like you know the end of the Star Trek season one TNG. Yeah, um, maybe you don't, but they like everyone's brains in the Starfleet like headquarters get eaten by these parasites and like right at the end there's this dude sitting in a chair i think it's in the malcolm in the middle intro as well so everyone's probably seen it it's this iconic bit and it's like really really bad practical effects but the dude's head just explodes damn it's really like brutal (laughs) it's like star trek no it's in star trek Trek. yeah
1: so would they have shown that on like bbc2 at like 7 p.m when when it aired
0: probably Damn. I don't know but yeah it's, it's like really brutal because I remember like I've seen not, not many people have seen season one of Star, of Next Generation because yeah. it's like the worst season for, by yeah. long it's so bad but yeah I rewatched it I think like nowadays people who like want to rewatch the whole thing in order what rewatching is just so awful it's yeah. really terribly done but I love that
1: I, I really need to jump on to Star Trek and just get my knowledge up a little bit because I'm still such a noob when it comes to any of the lore around it
0: there's a lot of law to be fair. It's yeah. it's a whole commitment.
1: And yeah. the new show's good, right? I've asked you. The this new before, show is good. Yeah.
0: yeah, a lot of people think it's too emotional. Yeah. Um, and they're usually people who don't cry, um, and like, yeah. In ba- <laughs> Basically. Phil and <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day. Um, and like, yeah, it was where I worked. So I had to be very polite to them. I was like, oh, so you like Star Trek? They had like a Star Trek badge. And, and they were like really sweet, really nice. And I was like, oh, so what's your favorite your favorite um, series? Because that's the, the question you ask every Star Trek fan. And you know the kind of fan they are yeah. based on the series they like. And he was like, I think he said Next Generation. I was like, oh, okay, I'm Deep Space Nine. Oh my God, it's like Hogwarts houses. And I'm one of those people. Oh God. Well, it's <laughs> like when
1: you ask someone, hey, what's your favorite um, Tolkien franchise and someone says the hobbit yeah like, that's
0: the you know they're the worst kind of person in the world <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> we're only we're only joshing it's fine it's fine we're,
1: but uh, yeah deep space Nine was quite good though right i, I felt like that was quite well received it. i think and my it was, dad liked deep space Nine.
0: it's amazing because they have it's like the one of the most it was like very progressive they have like um there's like a black single father trying to run a space station that's also been occupied by like a colonial species um that's like also oppressed the planet underneath the space station. It used to be like a prison station. So there's like yeah. loads of like definitely some like Israel Palestine stuff going on. And then there was like the racial element which they do explore. Yeah. And then there's like the basically Picard killed Cisco, who's the captain's wife, when he was Lakutus of Borg. So yeah. there's this like horrible tension with the captain who's been idolized in the previous series. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, there's like a lot of stuff to explore there.
1: Sounds cool. I'll get into it at some point.
0: It's got one of the best series arcs in any Star Trek yeah. um, series because there's like a whole other sub, there's a major plot that comes through with um, the founders, which is amazing. And yeah, yeah, I don't want to spoil it.
1: That's cool. I- I'll jump on it at some point, I think. Go I'll it. finish all the Star Wars films first. <laughs> good luck i haven't seen any star wars films no that's a lie i've seen the uh, what's the first of the newest ones
0: oh god um, the force awakens yes it's actually quite pretty i think they're like the hobbits of the star wars films
1: uh, uh, <laughs> what the best ones yeah absolutely
0: totes i don't even know what i was saying you know i really like the beginning of um aum appearing universal migration where it's that guy on the phone and he's like calling up the band oh. It's really funny. He's like, bring back the fucking danger in music. And then like, <laughs> it's like Oh, that's goofy. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: <the laughs> Have so you funny. looked into like what AUM is or what it stands for?
0: What does it stand for? So
1: I only found this out when I was researching this album. So basically across the three Archspire albums, they've got like kind of a lot of continuity with the lyrical themes. Mm. And it's quite conceptual. Cool. Like AUM is like this kind of like either this deity or this cult that's running like human experiments and stuff. Ooh. And there's been a lot of references throughout all the Archspire albums. And I've never really delved too much into the lyrics, but yeah. I'm going to go back and listen to some of the older albums and see what it's all about. But it's uh, it's quite cool, actually. But they seem to like, they must all be like fans of like sci-fi and stuff. Yeah, I dig
0: that. And like,
1: you know, and, and the, you put these things into the lyrical themes to give you know people something to think about.
0: My favorite lyric was in the golden mouth of ruin.
1: That's my favorite track on the album.
0: It's a great, it's a great track. I love the name of it. It's a beautiful name. Um, it fits in your mouth like a good. Okay, that sounds weird. Please take <laughs> oh, that out. <sorry. laughs> <laughs> take out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I just wish I never said that.
1: It's this part of the show that I wish we had like sound effects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> you said something dumb, and that was me. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, golden mouth of Rome, which I'll never say again after this point. Um, here are the lyrics. I just liked the imagery. That's very A-level English of me, but I liked it. Um, it goes like thus. Biting its own fleeing tongue to fill its mouth with a pool of living gold. The pond of glowing alloy that you look into will now begin to cast your new life. Disintegrate the carotid barrel in our ever-grinding wheel of meat we were forced to ingest.
1: Wow, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Can eh? you imagine trying to growl that at 200 miles per hour?
0: <laughs> I can't. I can't <laughs> imagine that. It's, it's amazing. You know, his vocals also remind me of um, Death Clock. <laughs>
1: Death Clock? Do you, I've never listened to Death Clock.
0: It's actually really, like, Brendan Small yeah. was kind of a low-key genius.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't listen to it out of protest. Really? I think it came out during that time where I thought, though, I took everything so seriously in the oh, scene. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, this is making fun of death metal. This is death metal, <laughs> but not serious. I'm not listening to this.
0: The cartoons can be a bit goofy, but there are some legit good gags yeah. in it, and the music is actually not bad. I will I, give it that.
1: I have heard the song because there was that video that went viral with about the Death Metal Batman. Did you see it where someone's like done like this animation of Batman? And it's it's really strange. I'll show it to you, but it's like really goofy animation. But they've like basically because obviously the lyrics are somewhat unintelligible, they managed to adapt oh, and change the lyrics okay. to suit like to make it seem like it's about Batman.
0: I like that. And like there's the like three things.
1: of them. There's like the mer mer murder mermaid mermaid. Yeah. It's
0: mermaid, I think. Yeah, because yeah, it's about. It's one of the ones mermaids. that
1: they've converted to uh, this uh, this Batman animation. Nice. But it's quite cool, actually. It's it's funny, you yeah. know.
0: It's it's kind of it's funny when you're a teenager for sure. There's yeah. like there's some dumb funny moments. Yeah.
1: But I've heard good things about the show though, like I have, and I know that like um, I think a uh, uh, corpse grinder's done some uh, guest.
0: Matt Pike has as well.
1: Oh, has he? Yeah, that's cool.
0: Pretty sure. Yeah.
1: I think I remember. I can't remember who which interview it was, but I was watching the interview of Corpse Grinder once and he said that when he was um, doing some um, some guest uh, voiceover work for the show, it was in the same studio where Mark Hammer was and the thing about Corpse Grinder is he's such a wholesome person. He's such like a big nerd. Like he goes to like, there's that video of him going to Walmart which just buys like a shit ton of Lego and stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: he's like, and he loves Disney. Like he loves taking his kids to Disneyland Aww. and stuff. But um and yeah, just hearing him like completely like mark out for Mark Hamill, no pun intended, was just like pretty wholesome.
0: <laughs> that is really sweet. I think it's really cool when adults like unapologetically like things that are deemed childish. Yeah, I think you know it's cool that they have the courage to do that. So good on them. Ten out of ten.
1: Yeah, it's like the other day. Speaking of acting childish as an adult, the other day there was a ladybird. Uh oh. At work and it was I was panicking, oh. I was sweating.
0: There was a really cute kid on the train the other day, and she was adorable. But she had a ladybird bag, and I thought of you because it was really cute. but I was like, "Oh no, what, what would Floyd be scared of the ladybird bag?" <laughs> but this is the
1: thing, people like this is what the mistake everyone always makes. Like just because I'm scared of ladybirds, doesn't mean I'm scared of any ladybird imagery. Like okay. the people have said to me that they've there'll be like a, a cute like anime, you know, like a, a cartoon of a ladybird,
0: a Pixar ladybird. Yeah, there'll be like
1: like the one from a Bug's Life. It was like, "Oh, yeah. did that scare you?" I was like, "No," because it doesn't look like a ladybird. <laughs> It's like an anthropomorphic ladybird. No, I mean like a realistic anthropomorphic ladybird would be terrifying. (laughs) But like it's the actual insect itself that I hate.
0: You just like you see a real ladybird and it just looks at you with like anime eyes. Oh god, that'd be uh, (laughs) that's weird. That's genuinely scary. Should we uh, move on to LLNN?
1: Yes, let's let's. But yeah, Archspire, what a fantastic album.
0: Ten out of ten, mate.
1: Great, love it. Love it. Death metal scene is alive and thriving.
0: Absolutely. Um. Just really enjoyed that album. I've been listening to it multiple times, which I rarely do these days. I usually listen to the same things. And this year, doing Sam Temple stuff has actually made me a little bit more uh, open minded. So I like that.
1: Oh, that's good. It's good to hear. Yeah. One cool fact quickly about Archspire, which I only found out recently, was they used to be called Defenestrated.
0: That's when you throw someone out a window. That is, yeah. yeah. And
1: the first time I heard that word was on the Cryptopsy album. Um, I forgot the name of it. Fuck.
0: <laughs> Defenestration. So I can not listened to this <laughs>
1: album a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if it was called this that.
0: This is when you forgot about our, um, artificial brain, isn't it's it? So not
1: non-so-vile, whisper <laughs> supremacy. It's not and then you'll beg. It's literally the only one. Blasphemy made flesh. There you go. Is the album. It's the opening track on the album. And I was just like, oh, defenestration. Oh. What does that mean? But then it makes sense because Lord Worm, the vocalist, was an English teacher.
0: <laughs> so.
1: But yeah, and I'm thinking, I'd probably in my head, I was thinking, oh, they called themselves defenestrate. I wonder if it was because they were Cryptopsy fans because they're also from Canada and yeah, but I thought it was just a cool fact that I didn't know before. So
0: that's pretty cool. I didn't know that they were they were called that. Interesting. So here's another a band with a, a funny name L L N N. Apparently, it stands for Lonely Loins Need Nature.
1: Lonely loins need nature. Mm. Uh, that's actually my Tinder profile bio at some point.
0: Did it work out for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, this is actually really good. I I describe this as a chill frontierer but that's not to say it's not. Horrifically heavy in the best way possible. I love yeah. it. It's the bass effects on this album are so juicy. I love them. It's a really good band.
1: This is this is great. Uh, this is I um, last time I went to Roadburn, which was the last time Roadburn was was held, which would have been twenty nineteen. Mm. Uh, I saw uh, Sumac play live. Nice. And they had probably the heaviest live tone I'd ever heard. Like it was ridiculous. And I would say that some, there's certain points on this album that I would say it actually comes close to kind of comes close to that sound and just how oppressively heavy the guitars were yeah. during that live set. Amazing. And there's certain points on this album and there's some of the riffs are so fucking good. Yes. Like there's one track that I just have to just mention right off the bat. It was Forger, which starts with a really cool intro with like the sound of like, I'm guessing like a hammer and an anvil or something. And it's uh, it's got like a really brutal, like, proto metalcore style breakdown. It's just super, super heavy. And I just love... I've always been a big fan of when, like, post-metal soundscapes are combined with that kind of hardcore aesthetic
0: Mm.
1: and aggression. And this band does it really, really well.
0: Agreed, agreed. Um, Apparently, they were really inspired by soundtracks and soundtrack composers. Um, And they actually um, attracted the attention of... I've completely forgotten to note down his name, but a famous soundtrack... Oh, no way. Um, guy, yeah.
1: The craziest thing was, I did not know that, but on one of the tracks, Scion, mm. I wrote, this would sound amazing as part of the Dune soundtrack.
0: That's really funny. Yeah, the, the composer that they drew the attention of was Peter Albrechton, who did movies um, Dunkirk, Antichrist, Gold, the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, cool. So it's really cool um, that he's a fan of this band as well. Like they, they've attra- attracted that kind of person. And they've said they've been inspired by like Kubrick, which is, you can definitely hear that. I'd say yeah. in, like the bleakness of the music, John Carpenter, Vangelis, Brad Feidel. Um, and games, Silent Hill, Dead Space, Halo and Limbo.
1: Yeah. I mean, Dead Space is that. That makes perfect sense to me. Because well, one, that game is like the closest thing to capturing like, the, the, the horror of, like, the thing and that, that, that weird kind of, like, that cosmic sort cosmic of alien horror. horror. It's so good. It's yeah. genuinely terrifying. Like, I didn't play it. I watched my partner play. I watched Amy play it, and I was just like, this is like watching, like, Alien for the first time. Because, yeah. like, I've seen the beginning before you see, like, the creature, the, uh it was not a xenomorph. They had a name, but I can't remember the name of them.
0: Necromorph.
1: Necromorph. Yeah. Thank you. Well That's remembered. That's not derivative. Yeah, sorry?
0: That's not derivative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And like this like before the first time you ever see it is just like in the background of it crawling along
0: Oh cool. And I'm just like,
1: fuck this. I was like, there's no way I'd be able to play this game.
0: I'm terrible. I think aliens are kinda of sexy sometimes. Like I thought the Xenomorphs were very attractive when I was younger.
1: I feel that's probably somewhat intentional. Like I think so. Giga is like
0: Well, sexualizing the other is very, very much no. like a, a thing. But yeah, I just, I think aliens are cool. I kind of want them to win most of the time. Like, yeah. See more alien things. Well, I mean, to
1: be fair, like, I mean, like the humans are always stupid for trying to go and capture one to use as samples. And...
0: Or like pick up the egg and look at it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to oh. pick
0: up this weird egg.
1: Have you watched Alien Covenant?
0: No, I've only watched Prometheus. Oh, I have seen
1: that, honestly. It's dog shit. No.
0: They don't look very oh, it's good. It's
1: really bad. Like, because I didn't hate Prometheus.
0: I thought Previous was okay, just the ending was a bit dumb. They just yeah. ran in a different direction. Oh, I mean, design.
1: basically what they've done is they've ran with that ending and just expanded <laughs> on it even further. And, <laughs> and they've, they've got it into their head that the best thing about the movies is um, uh, what's-his-name playing the cyborg.
0: <sighs> I literally was saying this to Nina the other day. I was like, what's that guy's name? Bilbo. Is German? The Bilbo guy.
1: He's, he plays Magneto in the newer X-Men films as well. Oh,
0: the milk, the milk <laughs> guy from the first film. Well they stab him and milk flows out of him. The Milky Bilbo Man.
1: No, Milky Bilbo Man. <laughs> he's, no, no, he's,
0: in the, talking, he's in Bilbo in Lord the Rings. Oh oh, oh. oh, you're talking about you Ian cyborg. Home. Sorry. He's cy- home.
1: I'm talking about the Cyborg in Prometheus. Oh, Sorry. he's
0: like he's the like normal looking guy. Name. Yeah, he's like the psychopathy normal guy. He's oh. in um stuff, keep... like probably Marvel stuff or some shit.
1: He was in he was in the Fox uh, X-Men, the, the first class, like the rebrands. I'm just gonna look it up.
0: Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. There we Jesus go. Jesus Christ.
1: That was doing my head in. <laughs> anyway, Alien Covenant <laughs> is. <laughs> Alien Covenant focuses on him. Yeah. And basically, there's an. I mean, I don't really want to spoil the film for anybody who wants to watch it, but there's two versions of him. So two cyborgs, because obviously they, they, they're often modeled on the same. It's like in the movies with um, like Bishop Blade is Runner. modeled after Wayland Yutani. Like, oh, right. Or yeah, Wayland, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should say. Um, But. Yeah, that's no, just not a good film. And I'll just end it there. I mean, you watch it and see what you think for yourself. But I didn't like it.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. But it
1: was dog shit, mate. But I tell you what I did like was Unmaker by LLNN. <laughs> that's that really a good. very good album.
0: I think it's, it's much better than um, the Alien Covenant films, um, which is much, much better, which is good. They, they said that they're huge fans of classic sci-fi, which figures, video games, they're fascinated by how cinematic sound design can evoke certain emotions and let their imaginations unfold into abstract storytelling.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I I could get behind that because I tell you one piece of music that I always love and it's from a video game. Do you remember the game Dead Island? No. It was a zombie survival game. It had like, there was this really emotional trailer which shows like a family being basically turned into zombies. Wow. But the music created by a guy called Giles Lamb is absolutely stunning. Like it is used so much in like in YouTube videos and edits of like emotional or sad scenes from TV shows it's probably most known for being used as a, in Sean Bean's uh, death reel compilation. <laughs> so I'm just like compile those deaths and it's like um, and they use the the the, the, uh, the music from that trailer and it's just really good and it's just like it's probably the most some of the most emotional music I've ever he- heard. Wow. But it's uh, but and when that's combined with like you know metal and crushing riffs then you've got kind of like a winning combination there. I mean there's points on this album where it's just like this just sounds so oppressively heavy and gargantuan like it's just like proper, like world crushing like riffs and sounds
0: i really like that um and i think they've i like how they've curated it they're the way that they've put the every single bit the, there's loads of field recordings i like the attention of detail they've put into finding particular sounds to add to the tracks um, apparently they used an actual blacksmith um to get certain certain like Wow, my brain. Certain uh, segments of sound. Uh, Samples. Samples. Yeah, that's the, sorry, samples. Certain samples. They use a circular saw. um, They like modulated and then layered the sounds and like really treated everything, which I think creates this like really interesting. Like the sound is quite alien. It sounds like a Xenomorph's armor to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely makes me think of like like the cosmic vastness of space. Like something malevolent like looming and coming to like destroy everything
0: i feel like if you stepped onto the ship like the like you're you're on a mission right and like you haven't heard from base in like two years but you know what you've got to do and then you find the ship and you board the ship and it's empty and there's like cobwebs everywhere and like there's loads of like creaking like weird sliding parts of this like weird looking ship that yeah. looks like armour and you're walking around and you're waiting for the thing to come out that you know is going to come out and it's not going to be here. That just
1: sounds like South London at 3am. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> it's my, like, I think I tried to sum up this album and because post-metal is such a weird one because it's such a loose like genre classification but like, I feel like me personally, I love Cult of Luna, right? But I know there's a lot of people out there who can't be fucked with Cult of Luna because <laughs>
0: You've got to be quite patient with them.
1: Exactly. But like, <laughs> But you're, you're right. You, you're, your your words were far more diplomatic than mine. But you have to be patient <laughs> with them because you know the payoff takes a while. Yeah. And I had it written down that this was this is the sort of band. If you can't be asked to wait for the cold of Luna, riffs <laughs> to hit, and you listen to this album, then this is for you. This is for short attention span people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cult of Luna is like, you're you're there with like your pipe by the fire, with yeah. like your Silmarillion in one hand, and your tweed. It's like Cult of Luna <laughs> highlights. Yeah, and then, and then this is like, there's like a guy who's just like in the gym. <laughs> He's like Chad King yeah. guy. He's like, I don't know, just like doing some curls or something. And that's the music that we are playing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna listen to this when I go back to the gym next week, that's for sure. Let's and there's some tracks here. Yeah, like I love the tracker uh, division as well. It's so fucking catchy and heavy. Mm. Um but yeah, you know, it's just more it's more digestible and it's more to the point within yeah. this particular uh, subgenre. Um and yeah, I think they've just done a great job of just and that's not to say that this album doesn't have ambience and atmosphere. Because Absolutely. it does, it has it yeah. in spades, but they've done it in a way which which doesn't take too long to get to the point. Yeah,
0: and And, I do like that.
1: And I like it. You know, it clocks in at about 39 minutes and it's got a few instrumental tracks on here as well, Mm. which, you know, adds to that atmosphere. But like, as you said, like they've taken so much care with the sampling and a lot of the sounds in the back. And it's very much curated and composed in the way how you would imagine soundtracks are done, right? And it totally is, um, is evident in this album. Like even the track Interloper, I love that track as well. That's almost got like an industrial kind of tinged riff, kind Mm. of similar to kind of Neurosis at times. And I just really dug that as well.
0: Yeah, I I totally hear the Neurosis. um, The Neurosis. Which album does that remind me of? The one with like something that has Sky in the title? A Sun That Never Sets? A Sun That Never Sets, maybe. There's like, I think it's, I remember there's like, there's one Neurosis album with like quite specific, like kind of metallic samples and stuff in there Mm. that I quite like. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I can look it up quickly.
0: <laughs> neurosis.
1: Jamie, pull that shit up.
0: Let's see how much we have to um neurosis versus psychosis. Neurosis and human growth.
1: Oh, John, you know, I was thinking of I was thinking of their latest album, Fires Within Fires.
0: I haven't listened to that actually. Damn,
1: 2016. I thought that came out a bit later.
0: It feels like all this all these albums came out two years ago or something. I feel like
1: 2016 was last year. Honest to God, like 2016 to 2022. I felt like it, it, there's so many events that have happened in those years that I that I couldn't pinpoint.
0: It's genuinely upsetting. <laughs> it's really, really upsetting yeah. how um, how long ago all that was. Like I have po- like things popping up on my phone from like 12 years ago in my memories, and it's just like me being a child, and <laughs> it's upsetting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening anymore. Um, but yeah, so I think. I think that might sum it up for today.
1: I think so. And uh, what what? It's a very heavy week this week, isn't it? We've covered some pretty intense stuff. But um, what a great three albums! Up the horns!
0: Up the horns, brother!
1: Raise your horns! Na 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 na. The off, song. I don't know the lyrics.
0: <laughs> I, I I would sing Man of War, but I I can't do that to myself. I can't debase myself in that manner um, but yeah thank you for listening what should we review next time
1: oh we should have a look I'm going to have a look and see what albums come coming out this year I do want to say that Dying Feet is releasing a new album at some point this year so that I'll be looking forward to massively nice um, for the more mainstream uh, lovers there is a new Slipknot album at some point cool so they've got that to look forward to
0: Botch are releasing an album. It's been officially confirmed.
1: Oh, oh, that's like that tweet you liked the other day that just said botch. See, when I saw that, I thought you were referring to like wrestling botches.
0: <laughs> and I thought it was like another <laughs> wrestling tweet. And I was
1: like, oh wait, hold on.
0: It's been confirmed by their label that they're that's releasing exciting. an album. So I'm very excited for that.
1: New botch album. New botch. Go. So
0: we will. Yeah, I'm serious. We will be reviewing that, I'm sure.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. i tell you, speaking of botch, there's another band that I think is recording the new track. Which I listened to a little bit back in the days. I'm sure Shem might have heard of them. Do you remember a Wilhelm scream?
0: I know them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think they've released new music recently or a new single. Yeah. And it was only recently that I found out what a Wilhelm scream was. It's that's it's the scream that's um, that's sampled in almost every film. It's become like an, a running joke in like Hollywood. Oh, it's like,
0: ah! that nice, nice yeah. Wilhelm scream. Ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah. that sounded a bit like Ghost Bath there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, yes, um, viewers, listeners, thank you for, for listening to our tones, our dulcet tones. And our I hope you've 20... had
1: a great start to the year.
0: Yes, yes, I hope it's been wonderful. Um, I hope you're using all 24 hours of your day in the best way oh my god (laughs) sorry i had to drop that you know
1: i've seen that everywhere i had no (laughs) idea what this was referencing but then i found out what it was it's it's
0: infuriating isn't it yeah yeah, we we don't mean that it's meritocracy is a lie um but anyway thank you for listening uh i hope to hear from you soon guys feel free to comment like subscribe let us know what you think and what we should do next au revoir until next time